is up? How we doing? Welcome back to the In the Round podcast, episode 11. You got Matt. And Tyler. And no podcasts anymore. We got the pod dogs. We recorded this episode with a ton of dogs here. I think there were three total. Yeah, there was Draper, which lives with me. Then there was Smoke, which is our guest dog. And then the Coda Bear has a dog named Cooper. And Cooper is a wild dog. I, I live with that dog down in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and I love that dog. But that dog is still that a puppy. That dog is like my favorite. Still a puppy. Coda Bear asked me, who's your best friend? And I always say Cooper. Yeah, Cooper. <laughs> Cooper is a good dog. But yeah, so we recorded this with a couple dogs down in the studio running around in the backyard, hanging around. And You'll hear playing. them in the back. You will hear them in the back. You'll also hear other animal noises because our guest this week, a guy that just signed a big deal with King Song, a partnership with Roar Management and all kinds of cool things. Whiskey it's Jam. Whiskey Jam. Our buddy Andy Austin, who is one talented guy. Learned a lot about Andy on this episode, Tyler. Yeah, Andy's a great guy. Uh, he's another North Carolina guy. Yeah, these damn North Carolina guys. Spent time in Georgia. Yep. So you know. Yeah, and uh, big baseball fan. Actually played baseball in college. We talk baseball in this episode. We do. They rip on me for being a Yankees fan, but all I got to say, we got rings, baby. And uh, we also hear about Andy's time uh, working as an outfitter, doing uh, basically being a professional hunting guide. I get some hunting 101 where I get to learn a lot. Andy does also gives us a treat of how he lures in turkeys to shoot. And he's a huge turkey hunter. He uh he got a nice one this year. Yeah, he um, um, he's got awesome stuff. And to wrap it all up, to put the icing on the cake for what was an incredible episode at the end of the episode, of course, an original song. And when you get a guy like Andy Austin in, you don't know what you're going to hear because it's all you know. It's going to be good, but you don't know what direction it's going to go. And he gave us a real treat for this episode: a track called "One Foot in the Door" that he wrote with another badass songwriter, Miss Casey Tyndall. And uh, it is a track that gives me kind of chills you hear Andy's voice on it so crisp it sounds awesome down here and you'll hear that at the end of the episode now let's get to it enough talking enough bs tyler hit that damn music let's go in the round with andy austin What is up, everyone? How we doing? Welcome back to the In the Round podcast. You got Matt and Tyler, Coda Bear, and instead of the podcasts, we got the pod dogs with us today. We got a lot of dogs in the house, some outside, some inside. And speaking of dogs, one of the guys that brought a dog with him today, our good buddy, a very talented songwriter, a proud Carolina boy, an outdoorsman, and an all-around great dude. It's Mr. Andy Austin. Andy, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. I appreciate y'all having me here today. Dude, we appreciate you coming. You're a busy guy. You had a lot of news break. What was that, last week, two weeks ago? It was last week. Last week? You're happy to finally have it out there? I am, man. It's uh, it's relief. I mean, just you know, step in the right direction, I feel like, so. So the full, so it's with King Song, correct. which is a group that comes with Roar Management, correct? It does. Um, Bradley Collins, who, uh, he's been at BMI for forever. Um, it's Bradley, uh, Ward Gunther with Whiskey Jam, and Rhino Nan with Roar Management. So that, that's a big, that's a big deal. And you're, you're very, you're very humble and cool about it right now, but like, that's, that's a big deal. What was that like when you first found out about that and started that talking like, because that's the dream for when somebody comes to this town to get a deal, whether it's publishing or artist development. You got them both. Like, how does that? Yeah, I go mean, for you? I'm extremely, extremely grateful for you know every opportunity that I've gotten and and everything. Um, but you know, from the time I moved here, I went to Whiskey Jam and I saw Ward, you know, and and really wanted to get to know him. And and once we met, we were just, I mean, 
he just seemed like an all-around great, great guy. And then, you know, just one thing led to another. We started writing together, and he really liked my stuff, kind of vice versa, you know. And, and you know, one thing led to another, and then it's it's come to this, and I'm excited for, the you know, what it has in store. Yeah, now something else to get excited about. We're going to talk plenty about music while we're doing this. <laughs> you are a guy that very much enjoys shooting stuff, enjoys shooting turkeys, particularly around this time of year. Yep. And we didn't get to see, I mean, we would see a whole lot like at work when you'd come in to play some gigs and whatnot. We'd see you around town, but you were busy. You were busy with it being turkey season. Yeah, man. Um, so this was probably one of my longest turkey seasons I've had this year. We started, uh, me and buddy Tyler Chambers, who's another songwriter yeah. in town. He, uh, he's from South Georgia in Douglas, and we went down there and, and hunted in March. I think it was March 23rd was opening weekend. Um, we had two of our buddies from North Carolina come and meet us down there, and we hunted for, I think, four days and uh, had some luck. We shot at some. We missed some. We, we did kill one, but uh, it was a lot of fun. But we started in Georgia. Then we went to uh, come back here. It opened the 30th of March in Tennessee, and... You know, it's this middle Tennessee spot is like a little hidden gem of turkeys. I mean, really? they are everywhere, man. It doesn't matter north, well, south, east, or west of town. They're everywhere. Well, you remember, like, I think it was Dave pulled out of my driveway like a month ago, and there was a turkey in the driveway across the street. Yeah, we had, we had turkeys right, right here, yeah. just three miles from downtown. I mean, I got friends that live in East Nashville that they are in the yard all the time. They'll send me pictures and everything. Yeah. So... Well, as again, I don't know a whole lot about hunting. Coming from New York, and I have buddies that hunt and, I, and all that stuff back home. But is turkey your favorite thing to hunt? Because I know there's a lot of things you can hunt, and I know especially down here in uh, in the South, there's a lot that you guys. Can um, go the, after. I'm sure you've been on trips. I know you have like an out, out. It says you work for an outdoors outfitter. An yep. outfitter. So what exactly is that, and what what exactly do you do with that? Um, as far as the turkey question, it's turkeys probably get me more riled up than any other animal that i, I get to hunt is it because yeah. they taste good or it, what is it well <laughs> it's a mix because i mean it's, it's about outsmarting and you know outsmarting one of them things they're just they get hunted every day of the year not just you know however long the season is here in nashville or wherever you're hunting them at they uh they just they're so smart and then once you get them inside of that distance i mean the whole time they're they're looking for something that's trying to kill them yeah, and sometimes they come in and they don't pay you no attention, and boom, you know it's over. But other, I've got busted so many times. I mean, that's why you don't. A lot of people turkey hunt, not everybody kills turkeys. Or if they kill one, they kill one. They don't get to you know kill three or four because they're so smart. And you just you get busted so much, and it just takes time and time and time and time of failure. And then you know, hopefully you outsmart one or two or, or however many you get to get in front yeah. of. But um, as far as outfitter um, in college. I wanted to work for an outfitter at, like, when I, you know, if I got out. I played baseball in college. Where'd you go to school? I went to UNC Wilmington in North Carolina. Um, I was fortunate enough to play baseball there for four years, and um, I got a degree in hospitality and tourism management, and I was, I mean, direct reflection of owning and operating an outfitter someday. So my senior year, I got an a chance to go up and work for an outfitter in North Dakota. And it was a pheasant and waterfowl outfitter. And, um, I mean, it's some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. I mean, it, it is a legit dream job. And you go up there for, you know, a month and a half, two months, and you work every day 
What was going in North Dakota like? That is a long way away from North Carolina, especially <laughs> well, I mean, Wilmington. You you see so much of it, you know, on on YouTube or you know duck hunting in general. North Dakota, all the all the birds and everything, and it truly is. I mean, it's remarkable to see at how many birds are in that flyway, and they just migrate down. They start in Canada, and you can just watch the weather. The you know if it's a snowstorm, if it's heavy wind, anything. You can just see, you know, a few thousand ducks will show up, or they'll they'll be where you're hunting at that evening before, and the next day they're completely gone because the weather that rolled through overnight. It's just it's just crazy to see, you know, Mother Nature out there opposed to here because we don't really get we see, you know, a few hundred ducks, and you're like, wow, that's a lot. I mean, I've seen tens and thousands of them at one time together. Wow. But um, it's really neat to see, and you know, it's just. It's a great opportunity. I I love it out there. It's just, you know, you can't explain it to somebody that hasn't seen it. You yeah, have to go out and see yeah. it for yourself. I know from South Alabama, going duck hunting and all, you know, you see 20, 30 ducks at a time, and that's a big group of them. You know, we don't we don't get a lot of the yeah. big groups of them down on the bayou. <laughs> that, that's cool, man. Now, so you, went, so you went the college route. You got your degree. You were a freaking student athlete doing all that. How do you get into the songwriting thing? What what makes you, you – you go through all this stuff with the degree. Um, what brings you to Nashville? As as far as, like, when I started with music or, you know, wanting to play guitar and sing, um, I was in high school, and I'd always sang growing up, you know, singing church and stuff with my, my family. And just in high school, I was at a party, and a dude was playing guitar, and I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And, he, I mean, he wasn't singing original music or anything, yeah. but, like – You'd have all these people, and then somebody, you know, gets a guitar and starts playing, and everybody shuts up and listens, and you're just like, you know, this is, this is a cool moment right here. Yeah. So I got a guitar my – it was my freshman year of college, or my senior year of high school, that summer before my freshman year of college. Got this little cheap guitar and started, you know, playing here and there and looking on YouTube and and learning these songs and chords and all this stuff and just, I mean, taught myself how to play over – videos on youtube and you know i'd give anything to go back and start when i was five or six years old i mean i envy those guys every single day yeah you can just pick a guitar up and, and rip on it because that's what they did when they were little they yeah. didn't play video games yeah. they played a guitar but um you know in college i started playing and i uh one tuesday afternoon i had some buddies they were going to a place called katie's bar and grill that night and they're like yeah man they got like open karaoke Guy plays guitar. You ought to come up there and play play a song, whatever. And uh, I think I was doing homework or something, and and they were up there, and they're like, "Yeah, he said come up here, bring a guitar." So I got my stuff done, and probably didn't get it done actually. Just kind of you know <laughs> okay. quit it, yeah. put it off, and we went up there, and I think we got home about two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, and we had played all night. Man, it was so much fun. And uh, just from there, I got a, had a love for it, and didn't really write that much. Um, I started writing in college a little bit, but you were just so busy trying to learn songs you know, and, for people and, to sing. And play baseball. Yeah. <laughs> thing. What position did you play? I was a corner infielder. Um, I played first base and outfield through, through you know, for UNCW a lot. And then nice. I was, in the summer, I'd play first, third, or, you know, wherever they needed me, really. Now, I'm guessing you're a Braves fan? 
huge Braves okay. fan. All right. yep. I'm a Yankees fan, so um, I've learned. I, we we don't. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, don't nah. I don't mind the Braves at all. Like, there's nothing wrong with them. It's better than the Mets or the Phillies or the damn Red Sox. But so, I mean, baseball. the Red Sox are better than the Yankees. Oh, so, fuck the Red Sox. Even over this, <laughs> say this every damn episode, man. Come on, it's baseball away. season, man. <laughs> the rivalry is real. Oh, absolutely. So, did you ever think about doing baseball pro? Like, was that um, in your mindset, or was it just like, hey, I like doing this if there's an opportunity to continue? Yeah, as far as you know, any baseball player is going to tell you their their draw. I mean, their dream is to be a major league baseball player. And you know, when I was young, it was. It was super realistic. I felt, you know, I worked my butt off to get where I was at, and it was just every weekend it felt like it was baseball. And through the week, that's all you wanted to do. You know, you wanted to get better, or you wanted to be better than whoever you were playing against. And, you know, I played and played and played and played, and I loved it. I wouldn't take it back, you know, a day. I mean, baseball's, you know, one of my first loves ever. And uh, I just got to college, and, you know, I was – I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was – college stud and freaking hit 400 and you know home runs every weekend but i mean i worked hard and i played when i could and you know tried to help the team whenever i could and had a great time we were super successful and uh and i loved it but probably about midway through college i was you know I really love music i love playing and you know i saw a future with that or you know being a hunting guide just because hunting brought me so much joy. Yeah, it's cool too. The the so there's a lot of guys. I mean, you, you've, I'm sure you've seen the Bone Collector album from the like, oh, Red Aikens yeah. and Dallas Davidson and all those guys. So hunting and country music goes together. But a lot of people don't know baseball and country music. There's a lot of guys that are out there doing doing the music thing that were college players. Some guys like Brett Young that had the opportunity to go pro. That's that's a cool dynamic that you're able to bring both those kind of things into it. That you were able you were doing all of it. Yeah, the uh, a lot of yeah, baseball and and hunting and and baseball and and music, it's all intertwined somehow. Yeah. I mean, you got I think Luke Bryan and Jason Aldean are with Buck Commander. Yeah, and they all go that. To go down with the Robertsons and do all that. Which which as a hunting guy, so again, I know I know nothing about that. <laughs> I just bought my first gun. So with with that with a like Duck Dynasty thing. Uh-huh. When you're watching that, is that like actual like hunting stuff? Like, do they do those guys know what they're doing? Oh yeah, so. I mean, they're exceptionally well hunters. Before Duck Dynasty hit, it was, or not Duck, yeah, it was Duck Commander. Yeah. And they had videos and, and different stuff. But yeah, they were they were hunters. It wasn't, I didn't feel like they were doing it to be cool, like some people out there, which I'm not yeah. ragging anybody. If you're hunting outdoors, you know, that's, I can't hate you for it. I, you know, I want everybody to do that, to experience that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those guys were hunting for food and... I mean, they were good. They were freaking heck of a hunters. I've learned. I've learned some stuff from sitting and watching them and, and oh, listening to awesome. them talk about ducks and everything. Yeah, and I, I've seen the one video. I think it's Luke Bryan taking his first, um, taking his first deer with a bow or something like that, and just seeing that feeling. Excitement. That's got to be awesome. <laughs> like, oh, something like that. But there's got to be that fe- like that feeling of when you get when you get that kill. Like I've heard you get um, like some people they get like a shake or something like. Yeah, you have. There's a thing called buck fever. Buck fever, yes. Um, which I'm, you know, I I love deer hunting for a good good while. Um, I really love hunting with dogs. That's kind of one of my number one passions. I grew up rabbit hunting, and though rabbit hunting, you don't really get that that you know freak out, can't breathe thing that happens with like a. I think deer, any like type of big game animal, 
gives you that that excitement. I mean, coyotes and, and stuff will get you going too, but like that turkey, deer, I've never got to elk hunt, but just talking to people that have, you know, that experience. Turkeys get me that that type of, like, it's almost like your stomach flips upside down and you can, you know, you can barely breathe because yeah. you're so excited. Um, ducks do the same thing for me, ducks and geese. I mean, if I get, you know, four or 500 ducks come in and land right at my feet, 10, 15 yards away, I'll be, just, I'll be a nervous wreck, man. I mean, I can't even hardly talk. I'm going by high-fiving everybody in the blinds and, and screaming and yelling, you know. But, um, but yeah, that and turkeys, that's what that's what really gets me going. So, I'm, you know, firsthand. So deer's the biggest thing you've gotten to take? Um, or have you been out like a bear as, hunter, yeah, an alligator? I got to bear hunt with my dad growing up. Um, we hog hunted a little bit. And uh, he shot a bear. I want to say the bear was maybe – 310, 315 okay. range, and then he shot a hog that was probably like 260 pounds. Oh, I mean, it was a monster. Yeah. But, um, you got to be careful hog hunting, right? They'll, they'll, they'll go after you. Like, they're, yeah, known to, um, they're known to give you a fight, right? Yeah. They're, they're mean, man. They're mean boogers. Especially they, if you're down in the swamp and you step on one. That's never fun. <laughs> you stepped on one? What was, what I haven't stepped on there? one, but I've had a buddy step on one. And that's not a fun experience. I was out with him, and that's, yeah. uh, that's a scary moment. Tell you, dude, there's one, there's like a recent post in the last week where a guy got ripped like across the face. Yeah. And it like cut his nose right oh, here. Geez. Well, like with Arkansas, we didn't have the Razorbacks where we were from, but like Razorbacks, what they're known to doing is they sit in the mud and they come up and they like take their back and go in between your legs and they'll cut your arteries open. And, you know, that's why oh, you just got to be super careful about them, especially with those tusks and all, man. Like, they're up, you a new one. You up. Oh man. Oh well, yeah. Well, maybe one day we'll get to we'll get to hear. <laughs> well, I'll get to I'll get to go hog hunt and do some of that stuff. Now back to the back to the music stuff. So you moved to town in March. You said right mm-hmm. in March of this year. When was like your first? What was your first impression of Nashville? Being a small town Carolina guy. Um, you get here and you don't know anybody. I think I had maybe one or two friends, and uh, it's. It's really, I mean, when you're, you know, 23, 24, 25, you move away from home. I mean, I understood how to, like, live by myself because I was in college and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, going to college, you had a baseball team, so you already had buddies, kind of. And, you know, you move out here and you don't know anybody. You got to go listen to their music and kind of take, you know, meeting them, shaking their hand, drinking a beer with them. And, you know, you just kind of fill out who you want to, you try to pick people that, that like the same things you like, that, you know, valuable the same things and see if, you know, get a right with them, write one or two, three times with them. If you, if it doesn't mesh, then, you know, just put that one in your book, you know, drink a beer with them, but they don't mean you have to write a song with them. Um, but you kind of pick out who wants to make the same music as you kind of, or, you know, who's a good fit, who's a good write, even if it's a, a different genre that you're used to writing or anything, it's still good for you as a writer to, you know, go in and write a song with somebody. Now, your that, first co-write experience in Nashville, what was that like? Uh, who did I write with? Because I know, I know you're, you're writing, you're doing this thing professionally now. Like, you're writing a lot. So I'm sure they kind of, sometimes they can get meshed together. Um, I was, I was writing, but it wasn't good music. I didn't feel like when I first got here. Um, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to move out here. You know, I didn't feel like I was growing any as a musician or a songwriter back in Wilmington. And I'd rather move out here and, you know, learn firsthand, even if I had to fail for a year or two, 
to uh, to learn how to write songs the right way at least, yeah. or you know, see how people that were making a living doing it were writing them. And um, so I moved out here, and who was one of the first people? Or even, or even one of your first buddies that you're, you're having a beer after whiskey jam over at Losers or Red Door or what? That that stretch, and you're like, you sit down, and then you end up writing with them. Yeah, um, I met Matt Daniels at a. It was at a revival, I think, one night, and Ryan Nelson was there. Oh, good old Ryan. That means you were having a good time. Oh, yeah, we were. <laughs> Love that um, guy. But, yeah, I met them, and I'd heard Ryan play a few times and Matt, and, you know, they seem like great guys, and they are. I mean, they're still friends to this day with me, but um, we went over to Matt's, and he was living with Ryan Nelson at the time, and Ryan had he had a right, and it might have got canceled, or he was open that day, and we sat down and and uh, we wrote a song called Good and Cold. It was about, you know, drinking beer or something. And it was just kind of like a little swampy tune. And I remember after that, I was like, holy crap. That is that's how it happens. Just like that. And I mean, I like the song. I'm not saying it was a bad song or anything. Yeah. I don't, I need to learn to play it better. That's usually why I don't play it, because I can't play the guitar lick on it. But, I mean, just getting together, three kind of strangers. We barely knew each other, and we come up with a song, you know, three, three and a half minutes of, of stuff that we just, you know, put together, threw together. And it was, that was really neat, neat for me. Yeah. Now you're, I'm sure you've got like a circle of, of like a crew that you're, you're writing with pretty regularly. Like, like I'll see like some of our buddies that'll, that'll get together. Like we'll just be hanging out, hanging out, screwing around at the, at the apartment. And then all of a sudden the guitars will come out and they'll just start writing. Like who would you say is like your, your go-to people um, with, with the writing stuff? My little. Your little circle. Yeah. Little my crew. I hang out with Chad Bishop and Tyler Chambers a lot, a whole lot. We, uh, heck, I hang out at their house just as much as I hang out at mine, if not more. <laughs> but, Sound familiar, um, Tyler? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, those two guys, Dylan Marlowe lives over there as well. We hang out a good bit. Um, Ward, I mean, Ward's a heck of a writer, too. How did how'd you meet, how'd you first get to, like, meet Ward? Because you guys, he's... That's an important guy in this town. Yeah, I call, I call him the king of Midtown yeah, in terms of just original music. Like he's he's the biggest champion of it with supporting people, and he's doing his own thing. And such a cool dude. And we get I, I get to see him when he's not running around because he's always running around and busy. How'd you get to develop um, a friendship? So when I moved to Warden? town, I had a, a mutual friend, and you know I'm, I'm not name dropping or anything. Yeah. Those, but you know. She introduced us, and we hit it off. I think I'd played, you know, second or third week I was in town. I played Whiskey Jam, and I didn't have enough songs to play. You're supposed to play three, you know, three originals, and I I had one song that I had written that I want, want to play in front of, you know, a crowd. Yeah, and especially that crowd, that Whiskey Jam crowd. Yeah, that and, is people that know good music. And um, he's like, yeah, man, can you play three songs, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I can probably play two. I was like, I know, I'm sorry. I was like, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity, but like, I can just, I can probably play two. He's like, that's fine, you know, just do two songs. That's cool. So, I have to write a song before Whiskey Jam in a week. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, and not just like write a, you know, little nursery rhyme, like write a song that you, you'd yeah. want people to like, you know, categorize you with. Yeah. And, um, God, I forget. Yeah, I mean, wrote a song that week. Now, I, I wouldn't play it now if you paid me money but <laughs> but um played it and and you know after that ward 
you know, we exchanged numbers at Whiskey Jam, and, and I come over and wrote with him over at the old office. Uh, I think it's off of Wedgwood Avenue right there off 65. But, you know, we wrote, and we just kind of were buddies since then, and it just kind of kept on. One thing led to another, and we wrote a little bit more, and, you know, we got some rights with with some other great songwriters in town and started writing songs that we really liked. So we just kind of ran with it. Okay. That, that's, that's awesome because my first impression of like the whiskey jam thing, I went for the first time when I came to visit uh, our buddy Dave in September, which Dave, another guy that you, oh, how, yeah. how, how did you and Dave, um, me and Dave met, I was playing, uh, some gigs at whiskey row and he was a security guy there. And we just kind of hit it off. I mean, he played, I played, and and um, he'd come over to the house, and we'd hang out. You know, sometimes we'd get cookout at 2 in the morning and, and whatnot. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And um, he was over at the house, and that's actually how um, Griffin Elmore, the guy that manages over at Whiskey Row. Oh, you know Griffin yeah. from, back, from back home? Well, yeah, we went to high school together. No shit. Cool. We, we moved to Nashville together. Really? And, yeah, so we lived in the same apartment, and Dave was over, and Griffin was looking for a job. I was like, hey, man, you know, he works downtown. He was thinking about being a security guard. So Dave got him an interview or whatever, and he went in, and he's like, man, I think I might try to manage down there with them and, and whatnot. So that's kind of. That's how all that intermingled together. No shit, I yeah. had no idea. Yeah, I've been here for. I've been working there for six months. <laughs> I had no idea. Holy shit, that's awesome, dude. So no freaking way. Now I gotta ask. So I'm put you on the spot a little bit. So Dave, as we know, sports a real nice like seventy. I call it the seventies porn stash. Mm-hmm. Ron Swanson. Yeah. <laughs> Your buddy John, that you play oh, with yeah. over at Whiskey Row. He's Johnny got a mustache. Wood. Johnny Wood. What mustache <laughs> do you like better? Ah, uh, I don't know, man. Because those I are mean, two. Those are two strong two. mustaches. John, I think gets gets pulls it off better because he's always wearing the lid. He's always got the cowboy. Yeah. Head. So yeah. John and I met because I worked at Boot Barn with John for a while. Oh, John worked at Boot Barn. Yeah, yeah. He now, looks like the guy that would work at Boot Barn yeah, with yeah, no. mustache. No, John and I would both work at Boot Barn and just talk to each other about how much we hated life there. Oh and, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So how'd you meet Johnny? Uh, I met John at. Where did we meet? I think at Winners or Losers. That's know? where everybody about where everybody him. meets. Yeah, that's, where, that's, where I, that's where I met. It was, yeah, it was Tin Roof losers. or you know somewhere on Demumbrian or Division, um, somewhere there. And I think the first time I heard about him, he had he recorded an Eagles cover on Instagram, and I I mean I love the Eagles, man. I think that's the best band that's ever. Yeah, talent wise and. I just, I mean, I'll take that to my grave. I'll argue with anybody. That Almond Brothers, I love the Almond Brothers. Not saying that other groups weren't amazing either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the Eagles to me. That I love that that type of music. You know, that's just more my speed. Yeah. So for you, with musical influences, then you were saying that you sing in church, which I'm learning. What you sang in, you would sing in church and stuff, which I've learned is very common down here. That's not a thing for for me back home and stuff. What kind of influences were you? Um, I would say. You know, Gaither Vocal Band, uh, Michael English was was a huge, huge name growing up, you know, listening to his music. He's one of the best gospel singers, I think. And, you know, yeah, David Phelps, too. He was with the, the vocal band. Um, Jason Crabb grew up listening to the Hensons. Um, there was, I mean, there was a number of, you know, the Martins, the Isaacs, all those old... They're not really old, but... Yeah, yeah. 
all yeah. of the uh, <laughs> the pod dog, the pod dogs over there. We got we got a lot of dogs. We're we're getting really really country. And it's talking about gospel. That's cool. Um, so with the gospel stuff. So you were also saying you like the Eagles a lot. You really like. Yep, you love like- the Eagles. Um, all my brothers. Uh, a lot of the old stuff, and I mean, I don't say that you know to to sound cool or anything, but like I I grew up genuinely listening to like all that old, you know, Merle Haggard, George Jones. All that, you know, like old Willie Nelson. Like when, before Willie Nelson was like, you know, hippie. Yeah. All that that stuff, which I mean, I still like Willie Nelson. Oh, but, amen. <laughs> but like old, old Hank Jr., like before Hank Jr. was, you know, doing beer commercials and all that when yeah. he was like dressing yeah. in a suit and going and playing gigs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just love all that old stuff, man. Um, you know, Ronnie Millsap, one of my favorite artists from back in the day. Uh, Gene Watson, you know those dudes were so super talented. You can hear it. I mean, when you when you hear those old recordings and stuff of of them singing, and they're just it's just them and a mic, and you can hear their breaths and all that. It's just shows how talented those guys were. Yeah, yeah. Now for you as a, writing now in in 2019, obviously the country landscape pretty different from what it, when Ronnie Millsap and those guys were doing what they were doing does growing up with that stuff and having that appreciation inspire you to to write like damn country songs like because i've heard like some of your original stuff and seen you play acoustically a lot like does that inspire you to want to keep that country country tradition going yeah i mean that's such a i wouldn't say it's a tough question it's just i mean that's a that's a big issue in country today yeah right now yeah you have you have so many people on different sides of it i mean it's you don't really it's categorized as country, and then, you know, people talk bad about it. But, I mean, people, they're just making music. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like them, you have 500 different options. You know, go like somebody else. Don't hate one person. Yeah. You know, go like five people. Don't hate ten people. And, yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, I, I just really, I like to make good music. I like to make stuff, you know, represents me, what I want to, what I want to tell people and and everything and, you know. Just just great music that has a good message, and, you know, it makes you feel good. Yeah, now, if you open up your Spotify playlist or Apple Music or whatever you're – let's be honest, everybody's streaming music nowadays. What's your what – your, what, what do you got on there right now? What's your um, – it's a Monday, and I'm, I'm driving in the truck, and I got old Smokey sitting right next to me. What, um, what do you got? Let's see here. Uh, an old album by Brad Paisley, Part 2. It's got okay. some jams on it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love some some early Brad Paisley. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Chris Stapleton fan, but heck, who isn't? Yeah. You know, like, playing downtown, I, you know, try to look up, instead of playing the same old, same songs that everybody hears in every bar, go back and, like, dig into the 2000s and, like, even the, just the top 20 songs of every year, you can go back and find songs that you're like, holy crap, I forgot this song existed. Yeah. And it it, it just... You know, every every word, everything, it was just that powerful of a song back then. Because we listened to the radio. Whenever you got in the car with your mom and dad and went somewhere, everybody listened to the radio. You didn't have an iPod that you plugged into. And we were just that right generation before, yeah. like, the iPods and all that. Which we had them, like, MP3 players and stuff yep. growing up. But I had three, I had two older sisters, you know, and younger sisters. They had MP3 players and everything. I was outside in the yard shooting birds with a BB gun. Yeah. <laughs> But you all you listen to to CDs, you know, when a CD come out, I want to say they drop CDs on Tuesday nights. Yep. Yep. Um back home, 
I can remember, you know, through middle school and stuff, I would, they would, they would set them out. I would usually get them from Walmart. They would set them out on the shelves at 2 a.m. That's when they would, they would restock the CDs for the, like the upcoming day. So Tuesday morning at 2 a.m., I would grab one out of the box that they were setting out every year. I would do, I mean, I've Brad Paisley records. Um, try to think who else back then. Do you remember that one CD you were like really pumped? You were like, this is finally out. I'm going to go grab it. Um, what's one? I remember like when, when Brad Elders, I remember I got Brad Elders record one time and it was just like every song was just boom, 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 boom. Just, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, there's a David Nail record that I remember listening to and knowing every single word to it and guitar lick. And it was like the sound of a million dreams. Yeah. I think that was the, the album, but, um, just, I don't know. You, everybody had those old books, like the little CD carrier things. And it would have 50 CDs in it, in the truck. And you would just flip through. That was my favorite. My dad's given me two things that like hand me downs that I loved his set of golf clubs, which I'm very grateful for. And his CD case that had yeah. everything in it from like old stuff. That was the first time I heard. One of the first times I heard Garth Brooks was being with my dad. Like, like because it was just I pulled yeah. it out of the CD thing. He's like, "Oh, I haven't listened to this in years." I'm like, "Oh, let's pull it out and see it." And you would you could fit a lot of them in there. Like some of the bigger ones. Yeah, like, you put yeah. two or three, four in the same thing. Yeah. One of my uh, one of my favorite things to do now is go out to McKay's and buy like one two dollar CDs that are like no names and just see like what it is. I've got yeah. probably a hundred of those sitting somewhere where I'm just like, it was ninety five cents. Why not? You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. The and that's uh, with, with the streaming thing. It makes it so much easier to find to find out what's like to hear. I think the streaming helps new music. I don't think it helps out you guys as much with the guys that are putting out the music kind of right. thing. If that makes sense, because I know record sales were a huge thing. We had Steve on a couple weeks ago, Tyler, and he was talking yeah. about. We had a guy, Steve Grauberg, on a couple – or last week, actually, and um, he had a cut on Tim McGraw record back in the 90s. So for him, that – he gets – with the way that album sales worked back then, that was like a huge deal. Now, there's not as many people buying the full-length album. Yeah. It makes thing. you more writing for a hit than writing for a cut. Yeah. I mean, it's it's true. It's just, you know – Do you do you feel that? Do you feel that with the with the – now it's we're in such like a single world where like you you're really trying to write that single because there isn't as much love coming to getting a a cut that is like say track seven or eight on a record where it's not being sent out to radio or featured on one of the big Spotify playlists. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when you some people sit down and they say you know Chris Stapleton has a video where he makes a joke. He's like you know he was sitting down with. Ronnie Bowman, maybe, or, you know, somebody, and he said, you know, hey, let's write a hit today. And, uh, I mean, you don't really sit down and say, hey, you know, let's write a hit or, yeah. or whatnot, but you just, you know, try to get a good song. There's no, I mean, people say they, you know, there's a formula to, to all of it or anything. Most of the guys that get good cuts, they just try to go in and write a good song every day. And, you know, the end of the month, if they got two that they love, or if they got five that they love, you know, as long as they're writing good music that they think, you know, has a chance to do whatever they want it to do, you know, if they just want a good song that for them, then well, as long as it's you know a good song to them. Yeah. Now, but, for, yeah. Now for you, with when you're going in 
to one of those rooms, something that happens, it seems like it happens, it sounds like it happens a decent amount, writer's block. What's your cure for that? Uh, I mean, heck, everybody's had it. Even yeah. if they don't say they've had it, they've had it. Yeah. Um, you just get up, walk around, you know, go outside. Um, when we're right over at Ryan's house, he's got a little creek behind his house. We'll go down there and, you know, whatever. Ryan usually walks in the creek barefooted. <laughs> and we'll <laughs> throw rocks right. in the creek or whatever and throw, throw football in the yard. He's got a football. He likes, but, you know, just get up, move around, breathe. I don't know. Get something to eat. That's one of the number one things that's easy to do. Hey, let's go get a sandwich. You know, but just, you know, don't really sit there and, and lock down and just, you know, keep yourself in the same spot, same position. You know, get up, walk around, get your blood pumping a little bit, you know. Go through, look look through old pictures or something. You know, if you're having a bad bad day of, you know, just getting ideas as far as, you know, first verse or however you want it to work, you know. Go through your pictures, look at them. You might think of something. Just seeing, you know, it could be anything. You never know. I mean, that's the thing with, you know, writing a song. There's no right and wrong of it if it hadn't been created yet. So it can go in any direction you want it to. Yeah, has there been a moment where you've gone in a room and then walked out afterwards and you're like, holy shit, like, I can't believe that that just came out of me and so-and-so and and Um, and so-and-so hanging out together? I wrote a song with Casey Tindall about a month ago that is probably one of my favorite ones that I've been a part of. And it was just, it was easy. I mean, you have days where you write for, you know, four hours and it's just like every line is just like you're chiseling it in. And then other days it's like, you know, you're texting it on your phone and it just went at the other. You're like, yeah, that works. That works. That's good. And, you know, that was one of those days where it was like, didn't take us too long. Get one line to the next. And it just kind of flowed. We talked about it. Um, but some things, you know, that help me and you were talking about writer's block, if you keep talking, even if it's stupid, like, you know, you can't be like, man, I'm going to say something and they're not going to like me anymore. This, they're going to think I'm an idiot or, you know, just say say the craziest, stupidest crap. And you can still get stuff. Because a lot of times, as soon as you can get everybody's mind off of the and this is from my experiences. As soon as you can get everybody's mind off of the song, where they're just talking and they're you know you, they're thinking about their story they're telling you, that's where you'll get something. And it'll they'll say something, and you got two two other people, or you know if you're writing one on one, you know that other person, but they'll pick something out of what you're saying just because you know that creative process that a lot of song singer songwriters have to have. You know they'll hear something and nothing, and you know you go from there. Something and nothing. That might be a that might be a line right there. <laughs> See, look right there. Look you know, that. see, it's coming. It's 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 happening now. So you were saying about mix about playing different things when you're doing those sets on Broadway, um, and you play stuff that not everybody else is playing. My favorite song that we get to hear you do is when you play some Tyler Childers. Oh yeah. When you break when uh. you break out when you break <laughs> when you break out Tyler Childers, and um and people are kind of looking around and, they, and some of them probably think that this is you playing an original just because the way the way that the Tyler the, the way that it's marketed I love Tyler Childers and Tyler Childers huge name yeah, sells he's one out of my favorite for sells sure. out sells out wherever he goes and he's he's doing his thing but like that's not something that you hear on Broadway yeah at all um that's that's true I mean usually if it's if it's a good song you know oh, pe- it's, pe- it, people aren't gonna know is yeah. it you know and I'm not talking bad about Broadway but you know 
a lot of those people are just sitting there eating and drinking. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're not, not really there. picking apart your song. Or, yeah, if you want the original music, it's Midtown is where you got to go. Yeah, you got you got to go to. And there's certain venues. I will say, you know, there's certain venues that they really they'll listen to the song better than others will. Yeah, and that's just. I mean, it's the kind of the crowd. Yeah, most of the time. I mean, tourists. They're here for the experience. They're not really here to, you know, listen to. I'll say this. Um, I've noticed a lot of times on the first floor at Whiskey Road that if you got somebody playing up at the Ryman, the closer it gets to that show, the more that Ryman crowd comes in. and They listen. They listen. And they, yeah. they care. Like, you know, last year whenever Isabel did his stint, like everybody was saying Isabel, Prine, uh, Childers, Sturgill Simpson, like that was the requests that were coming in. You actually got to see a lot of guys go uh i don't i don't know any of that yeah which for you who's your favorite of that group because you've got because there's there's that wave i don't don't know that wave of that new traditional style mix with the americana i say new because it's not the old it's not the old traditional guys that they're newer guys on the block but uh that traditional style they're just i mean the thing about those guys is they're their self they don't care what people are thinking right but that's why they're. I think their music is so personable and understandable, and you know, so many people love it. I mean, it ain't like they're, they're just they're a hidden gem. Like, there's a lot of people that stream their music, that buy their music, yeah. that go to their shows. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be publicly known on the news or on the radio. I mean, they're they're getting their fans, and they're you know, they're great artists, but they're their self, and yeah. they can be their self. They don't have anybody telling them what to do. And I mean, I think that's why they're successful. Cody Johnson's doing. Oh, Kojo! You know, I was at that Ryman show. Yeah. Um, over the uh, couple a couple weeks ago, all the days blend into one down here. Um, but that last that, weekend, bud. It wasn't last weekend. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, it was. Explains yeah. it. That was last last weekend, and that was one of the coolest things because he come into town. And everybody told him Texas isn't going to work in Nashville. Texas isn't going to sell. Texas is only as big as Texas. And now you look at where that red dirt style is going, oh, yeah. and Kojo is selling out venues across the country, and he's going out in big tours, and he's getting that that airplay and stuff. And a guy, a guy like Kojo, what's your favorite Kojo song? I know there's a um, lot to choose from. That's tough, man. He uh, probably my favorite Cody Johnson song. Monday morning Merle's pretty hard yeah. to beat, dude. I mean, that's just that's a daggone good song. Um, I like that one. Also, uh, half a song. That's, yeah. that's a good. That's a good one too. But I mean, he's got, you know, he's got so many good songs. It ain't like he's got one on every record. He's got five or six that are yeah, just yeah. awesome. He just bumps them out and just does so. does his thing. And his live show, he kept it a Cody Johnson show, like what you'd see at an amphitheater or a, or at a festival. He did that in the Ryman. Like yeah. he was flying around and still <laughs> cussing and doing his thing and everything that he does at the live at the big venues he was doing in that that little special place which the Ryman that was my first time going to the Ryman Dave's yeah. first time going too and that was just such special, a special cool, isn't it Yeah have you have you gotten to go at all see yeah, any shows? last last time I was there I went and seen uh, Casey Musgraves Ooh. back. Uh, Think of first of March. Tyler yeah. just got excited. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to go to that one real bad, but uh, yeah, it was it was really neat, man. She just she's an entertainer of the year this this year, and just her songs. I mean, she's she's her. No, I, I get too. another person where it's that authentic, like it's really yeah. you, 
It's not coming from someone else. So now that's something I got to ask with that. So all those guys, they're singing their own songs that they're writing and stuff. Now, for you as, as a guy that's doing the writing thing but also just signed that on as an artist development deal, what's that process like for you where, where like, if, if a song gets pitched to you? or Because there's, there's people that are, that are, like, vocalists that aren't as big on the writing side. Right. Like, like, um, Aldine, like Aldine's not hasn't, – hasn't sang an original Aldine song. I mean, I know he's a decent writer, but, like, there's those big names like that or even just other people that, are, that aren't singing their own songs. For you as a guy that writes – Great songs is is that something down the road? What do you think about? Yeah, or? I mean, I I would always be open to an outside song. Okay, you know, a good song is a good song. Okay, I don't have to, not because I wrote it or anything. Will I hold it above another song? I mean, there's, you know, there's incredible, incredible writers. And has it happened for you where a song that you've written or been a part of is being sung by somebody else? And how is that feeling? Um, no, not yet. Okay. Hopefully, um, <laughs> but um. We just did a uh, we just did a demo on that song I was telling you about with uh, Casey Tyndall, and um, who's phenomenal, by the way. I love yeah, I, I love, love Mason Casey Tyndall. She's entertaining, real sweetheart. And she is. She's a she's a fun fun time being out with too. I've gotten to do that after after some whiskey jams where we've all where we've all gone out and hung with hung with that crowd. And so, how did you and her meet? Because is she um, isn't she from Carolina? She's as well? uh, yes, she's from the Raleigh area. I remember being in college and. I would see, you know, like posters and billboards and stuff of her playing in Raleigh at I forget the the venue it was. Um and you know, it was pretty neat just seeing her like she moved there and she started growing and getting everything rolling and her being an artist and then you move out there and and I think my first I moved on a Monday and on Tuesday I went to Revival. And Lainey Wilson and, and Jenna Master were playing. Oh, jeez, yeah. You're, you're, those and are, those are, that's a show. I that. remember hearing their songs, and I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to make it here. Like, those songs are insane. And, you know, flash forward to a year from now, I mean, I met Tyler Chambers through them, you know, at, at Revival and I met him at Ryan Nelson's house one night. But, I mean, it's just such a close-knit group. Everybody knows everybody, and and you know you you look at it now, and we're all friends, and you know just they're just great people. Yeah. Same as you know they grew up the same as you did. They moved here. They didn't have anybody, and they you know you you get by one day at a time, and you build your friends from the ground, and you know you just stick with each other. Yeah. No, and it seems like that that saying it's all about the hang, like just meeting people. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Being cool. If you're not cool to hang out with, why am I going to want to get in a room and think we can create something cool together? You know, like I feel like that's that's something that's really really cool and unique to Nashville. So now, what's next in terms of music stuff? Um, just you know, we're going to sit down and write pretty hard for the next few months, and you know, try to uh, try to get. You know, 12, 15 songs that we really think are great, and then maybe, you know, cut down from that and, you know, get five or six, four or five, and, and try to make a little EP by the end of the year. So an original pro so that's coming. Yep. How do you feel about that, dude? A year great, into yeah. it. Yeah. I'm excited, man. You know, just, it's going to be really neat to get in and write write some songs, and even the songs that I've already written, you know, with some of my best friends and everything, it's, you know, I'm looking forward to trying to get them out, let everybody hear them. Yeah, now we got a guitar in front of you. Now, real quick, before we get into the into towards wrapping this whole thing up and having you play a little bit for us, 
So I'm not, I've gotten to see you do this out before and whatnot, um, and gotten to see you do the turkey call, the turkey call, the duck call, any animal noises. Tyler makes animal noises too. One of them sounds like the dragon from Game of Thrones. Where it's like a baby dragon. He sounds like a little baby dragon. And his mother confirmed this last night. I was out. With Tyler's mom's in town from Alabama. Shout out to uh, shout out to Mother Teresa. Uh, down there, I know she's going to be listening and stuff, but she was saying too how it sounds like a dragon. So I want to hear your your turkey call. All right, so if you don't mind, because yeah, I, I don't mind. I know we're out of turkey season. Do, do you so. have to like get in the character here at all? No, yeah. not okay, really. Okay. Um, hey, Cody, get get some video. Get some kind of you know turkey hunting. You you have mouth calls and slate calls and you know whatever pot calls, box calls, but there's also like a goblin call that they have that you can shake and, and everything. Well. I was on, I was probably 16 or 17, and I was on YouTube, and there's a guy named Preston Pittman, and he was gobbling with his mouth. And we, I actually got to meet him for the first time this past year at the NWTF in February and talked to him and everything. But that was the reason I wanted to learn how to gobble because it was just, it was neat to hear him. He sounded just like a turkey, and I was like, holy crap, that sounds better than a real yeah. turkey, you know? And uh, so I started working on it, and, you know, I'd do it by myself, and, and just work on it, work on it, work on it, work because you don't want to do it and sound like an idiot. And if you're hunting with somebody, you don't want to sound stupid or scare the bird off. And they'd be like, "Why? Did, what, the, what are you doing?" Yeah, the goal is to get the bird. So yeah, I just I kept on and on and on and on and on. And finally, I would I started doing it out hunting, and you know, birds would respond to it, and I was like, "Holy, like this this is working." They actually think I'm a turkey. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I can owl hoot. A lot of times in the morning, you'll go out, and you know, when they're still up in the trees roosted you can hoot like an owl and what's that sound like i want to hear I, it. yeah I'll, I'll do it here in a minute but oh, you okay. hoot like an owl and a turkey gobbles back because when a turkey wakes up in the morning you know he's all like freaking beating on his chest kind of thing you know i'm letting everybody know that i'm here i'm the head honcho because in the spring they're breeding so they're you know they're that's why their heads get all red and, and blue and white and all that it's because of blood and stuff in them and um so they wake up you know they're on top of the world then you know ready to fight whatever you know is going to get in their way and uh, you hoot like an owl. So this this is it. Ow! Ow! So, there's your turkey gobble and your owl hoot. That was awesome. Appreciate that. The dog's reaction was priceless. Yeah. Cooper, Cooper's reaction. Now your dog, uh, your dog Smokey, that you got with you. Uh-huh. Is it cool if I call if I call him Smokey? You can call him Smokey. Smokey. All right, cool. Because yeah. you, you were calling him Smoke, and as now when you I got to say when I when I um when I pulled up here to our studio at Tyler's place, and I saw the truck. I'm like one. I'm like that's Andy. That's a Carolina truck, and <laughs> uh, and and it's it's got the tags on it. And then I look over and I see you got your dog. I'm like this boy is country. He's yeah. bringing his dog everywhere he goes. So that's your that's your buddy right there. Yeah. So I got Smoke my uh, when I graduated college. He was my graduation present. I got him when he was four. He uh, he was a good buddy of mine, Pike Calls, that I guided with out in North Dakota my first year. Um, but we were friends from North Carolina. He was at Camp Lejeune when I was in Wilmington. Okay. And um, we met at a, a turkey camp one spring, and we've been buddies ever since. But he got me the gig up there, and I come up there and hunted for a year, and Smoke was there, and I was like, golly, man, that's, that's one of the best dogs I've ever seen. And, you know, once you hunt, you can duck hunt all you want. Once you duck hunt with a good dog— that listens, that's like another person there hunting with y'all. You will never want to go again without a good dog. And if you go with a bad dog, it's the complete opposite. You'll never want to hunt with another dog again. 
So, I'd, I mean, I'd hunted with both. I'd hunted with, you know, good dogs throughout, you know, before I was up in North Dakota. And But when I got there, man, it was just like he would hunt with us in the morning and he would just be totally locked in, like the craziest locked in you've ever seen anything. And then he would hang out with us during the day. And at night he would crawl on the bed with Pike and just hang out, you know, just he was one of the guys. <laughs> and it was just every single day, like when my alarm clock goes off in the morning, he is sitting by my bed and I can hear his tail wagging on the floor because he's so excited. He's like, all right, it's time to roll. Let's go. Come on. And, you know, you hunt seven days a week for, I think I hunted this year out there, like 48, 49 days in a row. And um, they're ready to go every single day. I mean, there's nothing that breaks the bond you have with, with the lab or with any type of, I mean, in my experience, hunting dog. But, you know, he's out there every day of the week that you want him to. Anytime you'll take him, he's ready to rock and roll. That's awesome. He's a he's a good he's a good boy, seriously. Thank you, man. We, that was our first time it's actually our first time having any dogs down in the studio. We had the podcats. Those cats have since <laughs> since gone with the with the owner of the studio. Shout out to our buddy Nick, um, who who moved his camp and everything. So we no longer have the podcats with us, but we're very glad to have the dogs here and he's he was he's been super cool and he's Hanging out there in the backyard, making new friends. Oh, so yeah. shout out to shout out to Smoke. Now, where can people find you for music and stuff? As this whole ride of of everything starting to starting um, to as take far off as for now, you? all I have is Instagram. Okay, um, I've never really had Facebook because I feel like there was you know too many parents on there, too many <laughs> too many opinions. Yeah, but um, but no, I, I I don't have a Facebook. I have an Instagram. It's Andy underscore Austin underscore Music. So uh, you can find me there. Um, I had a Twitter. I think I st- it's still there. I just I don't ever get on it. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I've been trying my best. I mean, I'm on my phone a lot. I just use Twitter to troll people. <laughs> he was one of I, I, I have my own Twitter, but I have like a fake Twitter that I just use to like cause a ruckus <laughs> and get people riled up. It's a great time. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I'm on my phone more than I should be, I'll admit. But I mean, between the Braves, I look at the Braves a lot. You know, yeah. stats and everything, and keep up with all that. Are they, when, when's, when are they going to sign Kimbrell already? Oh, my gosh. They're chanting for him, aren't they? Don't get they're me started, ch- man. They're chanting we're waiting. for him at the games, aren't they? Don't get me started. I'm so there's you. the draft coming up here soon. After the draft, we're going to probably sign him because then we don't have to give up our second-round draft pick. So, so the holdup's all over a draft pick? Yeah, because we got busted like because of our former uh, GM and all doing all that dirty stuff in the international market. So we lost all of our international money. We can't sign anybody until I think it's 2021. Oh, so a draft pick for us is like a bar of gold right now. You know, That's the only way we're growing our farm system other than trade. So we're like holding on to those draft picks like nobody's business. But uh, once we don't have to give a compensation pick up, I think we're going to sign them. Well, when you guys get him, hopefully that propels you in the NL East. It'd be fun to see Yankees Braves again at yeah. some point, especially given the history with uh, Yankees Braves. That would be I would very much enjoy that. <laughs> even I'm though bad. I was even though I wasn't alive. I mean, I think we were alive for that. I was like one and four, but anyway. <laughs> I so, remember so those games. What so, year what year were they with in the two thousand? Uh, it was ninety ninety six and ninety nine. Yeah, I remember ninety nine really well. Yeah, ninety six yeah. and ninety nine. Or the two. And then the Yanks beat the Padres in 98 and the Mets in 2000. Yep. The Derek I remember days. that. Dude, do you remember? I can still remember this. It was Luis Gonzalez. Yeah. Remember yeah. when he hit that little chopper yep. up the middle? Diamondbacks yeah. were like the purple with the pinstripe, yeah. the vest. Yeah. And he was jumping as soon as it, he hit yeah, it. Yeah, he beat Mariano, yeah. Man, that was wild. It was just uh, 
wasn't it Schilling and uh, that was Schilling, Randy Johnson Schilling, basically won yeah. that yeah. whole series for them, like the whole playoffs. Yeah, and basically. Mariano had been lights out, like yeah. that was him in his prime. So to get a to, yeah. get, to hit a cutter in Game Seven like that through through the hole, that's that was a big deal. Luis that, had such a like weird stance to oh, yeah. that he really open stance. Was he one where where the bat was up really high? Was no, he no, no. He was guys? the one that was like super wide in his stance. That was the uh, second baseman for them that had the bat up really high. Craig Council, yeah, Council. Craig Council. Yeah. He would, yeah, his arm was like cut he was a, circulation. Off. He was a gritty yeah. little player too. Oh, yeah. he still, I think he still manages, doesn't he? I believe so. He played for the Astros for a while and had a good career with them too. But yeah, he won a series with the with, Padres, maybe. Uh, I don't remember who else. It, it, I remember yeah. him mostly with the uh, with the Astros. Yeah, no, but but yeah. So so go Braves, and I'm gonna say go Yankees. Now you got this <laughs> guitar right here. Um, yeah. What kind of song you want to play for us? What do you um, play for us it don't matter to me. You want to nope. hear something slow or something? I want to. I want to hear. I want to hear something that you're gonna really you're gonna really be into. And and like, what's that song you, that you? Um, can you play us the one you wrote with Casey? Yeah, I'll do that one. Yeah, that's, that's that one of my favorites. That's what you're, no, what's the title of that one? Uh, it's called One Foot in the Door. Now, what what um, what was the mood in the room like um, going into that? She had it was it was her hook. Um, she had kind of a you know one foot in the door, and I forget kind of you know where we where we went from there, but it was it formed around you know being young, and a lot of people can relate. Being young and not knowing if you want to, you know, love that person for the rest of your life or move on and try to find somebody else. And it was just kind of you're you're loving them with one foot in the door, kind of like that that security of, you know, I might be, it says in it, you know, I might be half in, but, you know, I'm still, that's as far as I'm going to go from you. And it's just, I don't know, it was, it just come together really well. And awesome. It, yeah. It's easier to sing it than it is to explain it. Okay. Right. Well, you're going you're gonna to be singing it for us in a minute. Well, Andy, thank you for coming on hanging out with us. That wraps up episode 11, Tyler. Holy shit. We're at 11 yeah. of these. We haven't tried to kill each other yet. We haven't been told we can't be doing what we're doing. So that means we're doing good. We're getting there, man. We're, get, we're getting there. We're at 11, <laughs> which is almost your age now. So, you know. <laughs> Almost, almost. But hey, so if you guys enjoyed this, make sure you click subscribe, write a nice little review, give us some stars on there. You can also follow us on Instagram at In The Round Podcast, Facebook In The Round. Uh, Shout out to Coda Bear, the great pictures and videos that are here. And um, shout out to all the dogs that we got here, too. We got three (laughs) down here on the uh, basement level. There's the dragon. There's there's Khaleesi's dragon right there. So without further ado, we're going to let Andy take over this show. An original co-written with Miss Casey Tyndall. Very excited to hear this one. This one's called One Foot in the Door. Y'all, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here on In the Round. There's a diamond ring Everywhere I look And I got buddies putting car seats In the back seats of their trucks It's few and far between That I ain't drinking here alone I know I'd better settle down Or there's a chance that you'll be gone Girl, I know you're perfect and you're the best I'll ever do But until I find myself, I can't give it all to you Just because I ain't ready, don't mean I'll never be 
time to catch up to you outgrown me And yeah, I might be standing at this fork here in the road But that's about as far from you as I'll ever go Maybe happy, but I ain't leaving, that's for sure I'm just loving you with one foot in the door Know you need a little more than what I got to give And baby, I can't blame you every time I don't make sense If growing up is what you need from me Well, that just ain't a promise I can keep Because I ain't ready don't mean I'll never be I need time to catch up to you outgrown me Yeah, I might be standing at this fork here in the road But that's about as far from you as I'll ever go I may be happy, but I ain't leaving, that's for sure I'm just loving you with one foot in the door Oh, if you left me tomorrow I'd have to understand Knowing that would kill me Makes me a better man Cause I ain't ready Don't mean I'll never be I need time to catch up To you outgrow me Yeah, I might be standing At this fork here in the road But that's about as far from you As I'll ever go Maybe half him and I ain't leaving I'm just loving you with one foot in the 